What up, world? Past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. NBA Draft GOAT Chad Ford, Locked On NBA Draft host Raphael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA Draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. And make sure you are following Locked On NBA on YouTube today so you can watch our live coverage on July 29th, beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. That's right, the NBA draft is this week. Locked On Podcast is, is going to have you covered from all angles, so make sure you do not miss that one. Today's show is going to be a fun one. We're going to talk about Team USA's win over Iran. Talk about Damian Lowe's performance in that game and takeaways from two Team USA games at the Olympics and what Dame has done in those two games. Then I'm going to play you to close the show, the final part of my conversation with Brandon Sprague, radio host here in Portland, uh, host Dirt and Sprague, 6 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday on 1080 The Fan. If you missed part one and part two, I posted part one on Friday. I posted part two. Uh, it was Monday show, but I posted on Sunday afternoon. Uh, it, they're really, they were a really, really good conversation. Uh, I was really... Uh, really enjoyed chatting with Brandon. We covered a lot. It's kind of just sort of the the state of the union, the outlook on on what's happening with the team. A lot of it focuses on what Neil Olshay has or has not done to improve this team. Um, you know, our our obvious frustrations with him, and then sort of what we what we hope. Uh, sort of becomes of this summer with uh, with Neil at the helm trying to steer uh, this team out of choppy water. So if you missed parts one or part two, make sure you go back in your feed and check those out because they're they're really really good episodes. Uh, I really enjoy doing them and I think you will enjoy listening to them. But before we get to that chat with my man Sprague, let's talk a little about the U.S. men's basketball team winners. Tuesday evening, late Tuesday evening, it's late, it's late at night, uh, coming at you. Uh, these are good old days. Recording a podcast late after watching Damian Lillard play, play in basketball brings me back to, you know, like 60 days ago when the Blazers were playing basketball games. Uh, it's been a minute, and I miss it. Uh, but Team USA, the men's team, won 120-66 over Iran. Uh, it was... Not particularly close, but it was a nice and important bounce back game after losing the first uh, game of their preliminary round um, against of the group round against uh, France to open their uh, open their Olympic run and, and scoring 76 points and just and shooting 38 percent from the field and just looking generally bad, including Damian Lamont, Ollie Lillard looking generally bad, turning the ball over, uh, falling down with about 17 seconds left in the game on the line. Just, he was not good. He missed a bunch of shots. Kevin Durant missed a bunch of shots. Jason Tatum missed a bunch of shots. Uh, the Team USA looked terrible, and and mostly looked terrible on offense against France. I think that was the real concerning part. I don't, I'm not sure this is going to be a particularly good defensive team when they're playing like the the good teams in the in the Olympic tournament. Like, I'm... I'm I'm not really much of a believer, even with all due respect to Drew Holiday, Bam Adebayo, and and uh, Draymond Green. Like I'm 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 not much a believer in this team being a particularly uh, a particularly serious defensive force. But I expect this team to be really freaking good on offense, and they were awful on offense against France, and that was concerning. But against Iran, obviously not nearly as good. Uh, you know. 
they have Arslan Kazemi and they have Ahmed Adadi and then they have a bunch of other um, guys who you've never heard of. Or maybe you have. Maybe you're maybe you're Iranian and you like are really familiar with this squad. But a bunch of guys I'd never heard of um, outside of those two. Obviously, Kazemi with the Oregon connection and Hadadi who played uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies and was was in the NBA for a couple years. In fact, a, a friend of mine sent me Ahmed Hadadi highlights right before I started recording this. So um, shout out to that anonymous possible listener. I'd say 50-50 that they listen into this one so thanks thanks for the metadata highlights i really appreciate it so i don't i don't think the like sort of iran game is like proof of that um team USA is back or anything but they scored 120 points uh they made 19 threes they you know and they were up big early and turned it into a route uh in the middle of the third quarter but you know uh, i believe the spread was 41 and some 41 and a half might have been 42 uh, i believe it was 41 and a half when i checked because i was i was curious sort of like was was iran supposed to be good and I, like what was what was about the number i should start worrying about the u.s team uh and and they you know obviously cruised cruised past that one no problem uh team usa covers if you're into that sort of thing those odds courtesy at betonline.ag of course but the takeaway isn't that like, yay, Team USA scored 120, or yay, they like got to win. Like you expect this team to win, you expect them to win the gold medal. They have a gold medal standard, and they didn't look, they have not really looked like a gold medal type team. That doesn't mean they won't win it. Doesn't mean they won't get better. Doesn't mean that uh, you can't win a bunch of ugly basketball games and end up getting the uh, gold medal at the end of this thing. But they haven't quite looked like it. Uh, they were dominant against a l- much lower level competition. And part of that dominance was because Damian Lamont, Ollie Lillard hit seven three-pointers, including six in the first half, three in the first quarter. Uh, he just came out red hot. He set the tone for a team that was going to, they just need a blowout win. They need to just, they need to just play a team that's not as good as them, smoke them and, and keep it moving. Like, uh, they play the Czech Republic, uh, this weekend, uh, with Tomas Sadoransky, an NBA player. <laughs> it's like one NBA player is enough to maybe scare Team USA at this point, considering the way they've been playing. Uh, but this was going to be the easiest team in sort of their tune-up games and uh, or their you know group stage games, and and they roll over uh, Group A foe Iran. So uh, and Dame was Dame was really good. Uh, you know, really good early, hit six threes. Didn't just wasn't as aggressive looking for his shot in the first half. Finished with a team high and a game high twenty one points to go along with five assists and just one turnover there wasn't like it's much easier to judge these guys like in crunch time right like just rolling along I think Team USA looked better in this game the ball moved a little bit better um they passed up Draymond Green passed up a straight up layup to tur- that turned into a three-pointer but for the most part they passed up good shots to get great shots like the ball just moved more they found it but also they made they made shots like when the shots goes in shots go in it looks good 19 of 39 is a team from three and Dame was seven of 13 from deep did not make a two-pointer hilariously in fact his two his two two-point attempts came like right in a row he kind of got blocked on a fast break and then he caught like a loose ball and went back up and and in a crowd uh and couldn't finish a layup within about maybe 15 seconds of each other and other than that he just he he did his damage from the outside as as you can imagine seven threes uh three shy of carmelo anthony's record of 10 three-pointers in a usa uniform but this isn't about box score stuff like i read you the box score because this game was kind of hard to watch uh more challenging to watch than you would want so maybe you missed it also if you're an east coast person it came on it started at nearly 1 a.m so uh maybe you're uh if you're if you're watching on dvr should have said spoilers up top spoilers spoilers but um uh hopefully you watch that game before you listen to this podcast but you can come back if those first five minutes aren't going to ruin it for you i think the real takeaway here though is that 
Dame played a little bit off the ball and not off the ball because Drew Holiday started and played like point guard, but because uh, the Team USA ran a bunch of five out stuff and ran stuff through Bam Adebayo. Um, and then they ran stuff when Draymond Green came in. They let him be a facilitator of sorts. And Dame playing off a good passing athletic big just looked good. He looked good playing off those two dudes. He also just made some shots off the dribble because he's Damian Lillard and he's really freaking good. But like Dame, like my takeaway here is like Dame playing off an athletic big is a reminder of how how dangerous he can be. And there are times when uh, Yusuf Nurkic and his, his uh, passing ability really unlocks Dame. But a li- someone with like a little more ball handling, a little more juice off the bounce like Bam and and, uh, and Draymond have like really unlocks what Dame can be in those sort of like handoff situations. And I thought Dame um, was looked really, really good. Uh, this was a reminder of maybe the skill set that the Blazers could use is like one more athletic big, um, obviously easier said than done. And obviously Dame wants to play with Draymond. Uh, there's a million clues that suggest that. And I don't think that's a particularly easy needle to thread, but like an athletic big playing with Dame so they can run handoff stuff. But that big could also, you know, fake the handoff and dribble and keep the defense, uh, make, make things a little more, t- a little more challenging on the defense. Like Dame looked lethal playing off those two guys. And he just made shots. Like this was, this was about, this was about making shots. There wasn't much to take away here. Uh, you know, if, if, I probably not, it's like a 5 a.m. start uh, Pacific time, so I probably won't watch the uh, the Czech Republic game live on Saturday. But uh, I, I won't. I'll just tell you. I'll just I'm gonna keep it a I'll keep it a buck fifty with you. But uh, you know, if if they look this good again against again, not like one of the teams that's expected to be in the medal round, uh, I think you can feel a little bit better about Team USA. You know, I don't think this is one of the elite, 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 elite teams. Like I think. Um, like of, of sort of, of like comparing them to other uh, editions of, of USA basketball. But this is a team that could win a gold medal. And I think when Dame is shooting at this level and making decisions at this level with office teammates, it shows why this team can be elite on offense. All right, let's come back in the second segment and I'll play you my conversation with Brandon Sprague. That's enough USA basketball talk. Uh, Dame looks better. It's let's, let's go ahead and get this man a gold medal. So he has a happy moment this summer, right? A lot of unhappy moments. Let's get this man, get this man a gold medal. In the second segment, I'm going to play you part three of my conversation with Brandon Sprague. But first, let's talk about Rock Auto. You can save time and money when you use Rock Auto. That, that's, the, that's the pitch here. There's a lot of other things like they have an easy to use website, easy to navigate with hundreds of parts from hundreds of manufacturers, right? But if you're looking for auto parts, you expect there to be what you're looking for. The key here is that you can find it really quickly and it'll be cheaper than if you go to the chain store or the car dealership. For example, say you're looking for a Honda Odyssey fuel pump. That's $353 if you go to the big chain stores. You know where those are. But if you go to Rock Auto right now on the website, 216 bucks. That's huge savings, and you will find examples just like that no matter what you're looking for. Whatever your make and model is, you will find what you need. So go explore their easy-to-use website. Find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way, they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so we talked about Team USA's performance and how good Damian Lillard looked, hitting seven three-pointers and a win over Iran. 
But now I want to play you my conversation with Brandon Sprague. Recorded this last week. I posted part one on Friday, part two on Monday's show. So if you've missed either of those conversations, I really encourage you to go uh, go back and listen to them. We talked for about an hour and I split it up so, so you could hear it in parts. So I'm going to play you these final two segments of the show, my conversation with Brandon Sprague, a radio host here in Portland for, at 1080 The Fan, Dirt and Sprague, Monday through Friday at 6 to 9 a.m. I can't get over the fact that Quick had in one of his stories not too long ago, he had that blurb, and I know I kind of everybody that follows the league closely has known this, but it just re-reminds you of how Giannis gets where Giannis is and Dame and Portland are where Dame and Portland are. Now, that's not to say Dame is just as good as Giannis. Giannis is a special, special player. I'm just simply saying that blurb and quick story where it said he was willing to take big risks and he wanted to trade for Paul George, but he didn't want to include CJ and Nurk. I'm like, I'm reminded of who does this dude think he is and who he has. Like, to think Indiana's... There was a story in ESPN where they didn't pursue Kawhi Leonard because they knew he would walk after one year. Ask Toronto how it turned out. Ask Toronto how it turned out. That is, those are fireable offenses to me, Mike. Those are moves you, you have to take risks. Show me a team that doesn't take a risk and wins a championship. You can't. I mean, the Spurs, when they drafted one of the 15 greatest players of all time. <laughs> I mean, sure, but you know, I'll give them credit for this. Like, this goes to their scouting department, but to identify and take risks on Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker and say, those are going to be two right. of our three huge pieces. Tony Parker wasn't a top five pick. Manu Ginobili no, was 30th. not a household name. Yeah, he's 30th. Yeah, Manu's and- a second round, right? Yeah, he was like 46th overall or something like that. Okay, so they 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 hit on a second round pick and a damn near other second round pick to pair with Timmy D. I'm with you. Timmy D is great, but you know, you needed those other two two guys to okay, pair with that roster. And they preserved the franchise. And they preserved the franchise by trading George Hill, a pretty darn good player for the 15th pick in the draft who turned out to be one of the five best players in the NBA. So like they 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 still took risks. Uh, I guess like the 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 Paul, I guess the George Hill for the 15 pick of the draft is a real risk. Like that's real. So yeah, okay, yes, you have to. You're right. Even the Spurs, the most conservative franchise in this whole dang experiment, like either got outlandishly lucky and then was able to you know risk it and keep it moving by trading a a, a player on the championship team. So uh, yeah, you're right. You can't you can't do nothing. And it seems like uh, the Blazers have decided to go that route. Yeah. Well. It's not encouraging. Um, Ryan McDonough was on our show, and he says that he would expect Portland next week to be super aggressive during the draft. I know Ryan McDonough has admittedly said he's a friend of Neil O'Shea's. He's not very critical of him, so we don't really ask him a bunch of Neil-related questions. But that's such a generalized thing to say. Do you buy it, though? Do you think that they're going to be, quote, super aggressive? I don't know what that definition is to Neil O'Shea. It could be getting a second-round pick and saying, hey, we were aggressive when we got the next Gary Trent Jr., or he's he's pretty good at getting uh, NBA players in the second round. I don't know if that helps, but he's pretty good at that. Well, you know, um, that's the other round talent evaluation is what he's most lauded for. And I'm like, you couldn't quite see the Giannis thing, though. I'm not I'm not bashing him for the CJ thing. Giannis was a real unknown, but can't help but go there sometimes. Uh, do you think he's going to be aggressive? Yeah. No, no. What does so? If he is, I think it signals the, that they're heading in the other direction. What does young What do young players do? Like if, if aggressive means like getting in as a facilitator where guys move picks around and you get NBA players out of it. Sure. 
but I don't think the Blazers are what would what good would a 19 year old do this team unless you are going to tear it all down? Like, I don't think getting like a pretty good college freshman is the thing that you show Damian Lillard and say, look, we're, we're better now like that. That ain't it. That's not the move. So depends on what aggressive means, but I can't imagine aggressive means like getting multiple rookies uh, that to me, if they end up with multiple rookies coming out of the draft, you y'all already know what's about to happen. <laughs> You're so right. If they get if they get multiple rookies, I, I can't help but go there. I guess I was more viewing when he says super aggressive, and maybe he said something vague and kind of like no brainerish just to say it. But super aggressive to me, super aggressive aggressive means you're trading CJ and or Nurk, and you're get you're taking Nurk with the team option. You pick it up. You get a team that wants a Nurk for you know a, a one and done, and either they re-sign him or they say thanks for your services, young big guy, or you package CJ with something and make some kind of move. I guess when you say over, it was super aggressive to me. That's kind of where my mind goes more so than a draft pick. Yeah. Like I think, I think they'll, their, their path to get better is trades. So if the, if the, if there's a bunch of trades to be had on draft night, the Blazers should try to get involved because they, that's how they're not going to do it in free agency. And they don't, they literally quite literally do not have any draft selections in this draft right now. So like, that's how they do it. So yeah, if if the trade market heats up, yes, I expect them to be aggressive because that's the only way this roster gets better. All right, let's take a quick break and come back in the third segment. I'll play you the rest of my conversation with Brandon Sprague. But before we do that, let's talk about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. That's what it is. There's no better place to do that if you're interested in getting in on sports betting. Go to their website, betonline.ag, and find everything you could possibly need from the latest news, odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. The Olympics are in full swing right now. You can bet on every single Olympic event. Add in Major League Baseball with games every single day, and there is something for you on betonline.ag. So head on over to that website, betonline.ag. And when you are making your first deposit, enter the promo code LOCKEDON and you will get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked on Blazers close the show for you today i'm going to play the end of my conversation with brandon sprague again one last reminder for you if you missed parts one and two they're waiting in your feed check them out if you enjoyed this conversation you'll enjoy the rest of it but here you go here is the end of my three-part conversation with brandon sprague can i can i say one thing about your twitter account and then if you want to touch on anything else we can i don't know if you wanted to wrap no we can um, get out of here say something mean about my online presence so your online presence, let me online bully you real quick. So uh, you had a thing on Twitter where you basically said, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was like, are people really circulating a video? Here, I'll read it. I'll like, read it. I'll pull it up for you right now. I'll let you read the tweet because I, I, I didn't respond on Twitter because one, I know me and you are good. Like we're, if you give, if you tweet something to me or I tweet something to you, I, I'm never taking it like, oh, he hates me now. Like it's just Twitter, right? But I think it's easy for other people to not be involved, go, oh, Sprague's calling out Richmond. So I wanted to like bring up that tweet because <laughs> I just wanted to point something out as somebody who's lived here his whole life and watched this franchise both be great and both be a complete embarrassment. Okay. On 
let's just get the whole timestamp. At 10.15 a.m. on July 21st, which is a Wednesday morning, I tweeted, Why is a Neil Olshay video clip from five years ago making the rounds today? If you're going to be mad, at least make the cutoff for outrage within the last 1,000 days. Which is a great point. I, I, the only thing I'd say is, though, I think the reason that circulated, one, I don't know how many people saw that when it happened live. I remember watching that. I just forgot what he had said. But I remember like, oh, because I thought that idea was a really good content idea. Bring general managers in. And even if they dance around real answers, I still like to kind of see how they think and how they kind of like work with one another in that kind of setting. But the reason to me that that circulated is it just reaffirms that two months after that dude had one of the worst off seasons in the moment of having an off season, he's out there trying to initially tell you, well, I struck out, but it's the city's fault. It's not my fault. And, and I understand the city and the tax rate and all of that. But you know, what's funny to me is California's tax rate sucks. But guess what? When you start winning and winning championships, it, the tax rate suddenly doesn't matter. It's about how you build the team. I think people look past the city at that point, and you almost make more money by being on a winning contending team than being irrelevant on a losing team. I think it just reaffirmed people's frustrations. It wasn't so much, oh, I can't believe he said this. Some people probably had that reaction because they, they never saw that. They'd never heard anything like that. But I think it was more centered around you had just failed in 2016 with the signings that you'd made. You you dodged a bullet with Chandler Parsons somehow. You almost gave him $90 million. <laughs> it just comes off as a typical Neil reaction of it's not woe is me. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. And he blamed the city. It's just like, come on, man. Like You've already piled on Henry Abbott's piece before the Dame report was that he, you know, he kind of views Portland as some podunk town. It's like, hey, if you feel this way, you don't like this city, get the hell out of here. I, I, I'm just kind of tired of that attitude. And to me, I thought it was warranted to pass that around because it's a look inside of how that guy's maybe viewed the city the entire time. Yeah, I mean, I know why people are mad. Uh, he called your he called your home shitty. He said nobody wants to live here. I know, I know. I here's. I'm going to say it again. you, Brandon, I can't believe you did this to me twice. Neil's right. Oh, get out of here. Stop it with this Neil's right crap. He's right. Nobody wants to. NBA players do not want to move here. Here's where I would. Here's here's the real truth. Dame has a dynasty going, though, Mike. You know people are going to go, yeah, okay, I'll live in Portland, whatever. For sure. And so here's where the actual criticism should be. Not that Neil said, like, uh, free agents don't want to sign here. Because basically he was saying, like... Listen, this isn't a market that I can outcompete with other glamour markets or other places. The weather's no good. It's not a great place to be a 25-year-old millionaire. It's not a great place to be a black man. Like it's just it's just super white. It's a super white city with a bunch of with not a bunch of like rich people stuff to do. Like real rich people stuff to do, right? Um there's plenty of expensive dinners if that's what you're into. But um he, so like he's right about that. I think he's I think he's right. That is a thing that has existed before Neil was here and will exist after is that this isn't a great free agent destination because most of the teams are not great free agent destinations. Something like 50, half the league, 15 to 18 teams are not free agent destinations. Uh, Charlotte and Memphis and uh, and Oklahoma City and it's like San Antonio, like all these places, right? Um, so I wasn't that offended by that. But the problem is he created this ecosystem where they never had an opportunity to sign a big free agent. 
He never gave himself, when he had all that money that one summer, he gave it to Myers Leonard and Mo Harkless. He gave it to Alan Crabb. He, like, the one chance he had, he didn't do it. And then he kept re-upping C.J. McCollum, so he never gave himself a summer with the cap space. My criticism is that he never gave, he that mismanagement didn't allow him to pursue those opportunities or, or even make trades for big money players because he always kept capping out this team as being really good and really, or like pretty good and really expensive. You know, the price of a great team with the performance of a good team. And that's the actual criticism. Like the, like, that's why I'm like, why, what is with the outrage? You're outraged because he called your, he called your home a bad place. And if someone, you know, if someone just says that like Duke and Carolina isn't the best rivalry in sports, I'll ride for them too. I'll fire off like 600 tweets about it. Like, let's fight. You think Michigan, Ohio State measures up? Get the fuck out of here. Um, <laughs> Yankees, Red Sox, Mike. Yankees, Red Sox. You let me hear an Oregonian tell me that the Civil War compares to Duke, Carolina, and see how mad I get. Excuse Um, me, that's the Oregon, Oregon State football game now. Sorry, sorry, the football game between two teams within forty-ish miles of each other in the Midland Valley. Uh, It's but like the the criticism of Neil is that he's he didn't he he screwed up all the other stuff which the 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 like actual limitations of the team don't matter because he screwed up the other parts and my other thing here is like he's he's had the shittiest last 60 days he's been horrific and an absolute nightmare and he's going to end up driving dame out of town let's just focus on right now we don't need to dive into the archives we don't need to go deep into our past to feel sad we can just remember june 1st just rem- go ahead and hit june 1st and hit play on that bad boy it's been rough yeah, no, I, I, you're right on that point. I, I would just say it's like being in the relationship where you're more in love than the other person's in yeah, love with you. Exactly. That's that's it. That's what it is. Unrequited love. They they cheated on you in 2016 and you got over it. You kept the relationship going and you're sitting here five years later going, oh my God, did I make a huge mistake? And you're reminded of the cheating in 2016 and you go, yeah, again, I, I don't like this person. And now you're just trying to figure a way out of it, but that person might set your house on fire a la left eye and Andre Risen, so it might not happen. So, you know, it's just a um, <laughs> RIP, by the way. Uh, I just, I don't know. It just added to it. I I, I think, Mike, I, I have to balance being a fan and media member, and I never allow my fandom to get in the way of being honest. Sometimes that means it's not great for Portland, but I got to do that. And I think it just, it, it really hit people to the core that yes, he's had a, he's had a shitty 60 days. He's had a shitty four years really outside of the random West finals that they may not even have made had ant not gone off. He he's, he's, he's flubbed a ton and that's, you know, to kind of tease something is that's the pod we're going to do when he, once he wraps this off season up is me and Mike, we're going to rank like the top three or five worst moves in the Neil O'Shea era. Cause and we'll have a case for all of them. We'll do all of that. I, I would just say like 2016 was awful. 2017's draft was <laughs> comically bad. Um, 2018 I, I looks know. 2018 looks like a mistake. Um, the summer of 2019, he signed Hassan Whiteside, Anthony Tolliver, and Mario Hazonia and said it was the most talented roster they've ever had. Kent um, Bazemore summer, season? Yes. Uh, and now the summer of 2021... Can he salvage those last few years? Um, best of luck. Best of luck. <laughs> I don't know who he's going to get on the bench. I mean, at this point, he's trying to run, run Mello back just to preserve the the legacy, dude, right? Kelly Olenek. Kelly Olenek is a Neil dude. 
Kelly Olenek. Myers Leonard with long stretchy, hair and not stretchy, as... multi-skilled big who played college in the w- basketball on the West Coast. Oh my, oh my gosh! It is a Gonzaga Neil. guy. It is a Gonzaga guy. It's right up his wheelhouse, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, uh, Kelly Olynyk is my number one. Um, I, also, he was pretty good for the Rockets last year, but Blazers fans don't want to hear that. Uh, he, he he's my number one like hilarious Neil target is Kelly Olynyk. Uh, I think you're probably right. I'll say that. Uh, I also I just want to share this with you. I've tweeted this before. I think I've said this a couple times. I I really I th- I would contemplate paying decent money, hundred fifty bucks, two hundred dollars. You know, like good blazer game, good seats type money. I think I would pay that. Not not to criticize, but to literally sit in a a room with Neil and without me being able to ask any non draft related questions. So it has to be draft related. I would love to hear how he evaluated Zach compared to Bam, John, OG, Dylan Brooks, Donovan Mitchell. I want to hear all of the comps and how he really came to the conclusion that drafting Zach Collins, which was controversial when he made the pick, was the move versus those guys based on how all of those careers are going. I I would pay good money to hear him go through that. Well, um, he's probably going to drive up the price a little bit, but yeah, it'd be fascinating. He's he's pretty good on draft stuff like whenever i've chatted with him he's he's dialed in he loves the draft so he i'm sure he has his takes all ready for you oh man well that's probably not gonna happen so that's okay uh all right so <laughs> let's this this was a lot of fun when hour and five minutes or so i lost the first two minutes so the uh i'll have to go back and do the intro uh and you know we didn't really miss anything content wise in the first two minutes mike's gonna have the pod on the locked on blazer podcast network so give him a follow on twitter at mike g rich And then also subscribe, uh, rate, review, all of that good stuff for the Locked on Blazer pod. I'm going to try to put this on 1080 The Fans' website because I'm a loser. I don't have my own podcast. Uh, I just do a radio show. You you do have your own podcast. It's a daily radio show, 6 to 9 (laughs) a.m. Yes, but I'm kind of lazy too. So I should be doing a podcast on the side. This is the first one. I'm doing it literally in a stairs closet. Like Harry Potter's bedroom, it looks exactly like where I'm at right now. I'm under the staircase. My daughter's already come in here trying to grab a toy. It's, it's been mad chaos. But let's um let's get back together maybe in like a month, maybe yeah, less. Let's do it. Let's do it. And do we'll it. evaluate the offseason moves, and then we'll give our power rankings of the biggest Neil mistakes uh, that he's had so far. But this is a lot of fun, man. I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. We'll uh we'll we'll reconnect soon and um. You know, uh, if you're listening to this on the 1080 The Fan Podcast and you want Brandon to have a podcast, just tell him to uh, tell him to come on Lockdown Blazers more often because we'd love to have him. Uh, I will do that. Sprague in the closet is going to sign out now. Mike, thank you so much. And uh, we'll get you on the radio <laughs> show. I'm sure, I'm sure if something happens, we'll get you on the radio show and then we'll do the podcast later. But thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Thanks for chatting with me. Talk to you. That's going to do it for today's show. We got the NBA draft later this week and then... Uh, free agency preview that's going to follow the free agency begins on monday so make sure you're listening to shows for rest of for the rest of the week make sure you're checking back to your feed because we've got really fun shows coming the rest of the week appreciate you listening talk to you soon